Well, good morning, good morning. Happy Mother's Day to everybody and all the ladies. Happy Mother's Day. We are so excited for you here. Hey, do me a favor. Would you give a warm round of applause for all of our folks tuning in online? Happy Mother's Day to you as well. We're glad that you are tuning in and joining us. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Listen, I, you probably maybe don't need to hear this, um, but maybe you, maybe you don't know this and I'll be the first one to tell you. Being a mom is hard. I know from personal experience. Now listen, I want to take a moment and just say, moms, happy Mother's Day. You are a really, really, really big deal. Um, okay, eight guys. Eight guys. I, as your pastor men, I am so proud of you. I'm going to give a second chance to everybody else, but th- their wives know. Moms, you are a really, really, really big deal. The way home, the the husbands are going to be explaining, babe, I didn't say anything because they want to embarrass you. No, you're a really big deal. You're a really big deal in God's eyes. You're a really big deal in your home. You're a really big deal in your family. I know for me, I love my mom. My mom was a great mom. Uh, my mom had uh, struck that balance of being uh, loving and nurturing while at the same time holding a strong line of discipline with me. Um, I, I watched my mom model um, generosity. I watched my mom model what it meant to work hard. I watched my mom model what it meant to, to serve. But But if I'm being completely honest, it wasn't until I was able to watch up close and personal Jessica become a mom that I really began to appreciate all of the sacrifice and all of the the demands, the unrelenting demands that being a mother can bring. Because moms, you do so many things. You provide for your kids' physical well-being. You, you embrace, uh, your embrace has this, this incredible ability to simultaneously serve as a, as a soft, warm, comforting place for your kids while at the same time serving as an impenetrable forces from the outside world. Your kisses have magical powers to heal owies. And when your kids are little, your words are filled with so much encouragement and are received with so much love. And then, and then there's kind of a, there's, there's about a 12 year span, somewhere around about 12 to about 24, 25, where your words just come across as stupid. And I just want you to know you're not stupid. Okay, because there's going to be a magical thing that happens around 25 where you will, you will it like have a metamorphosis in the eyes of your child where your words will overnight go from being overwhelmingly ridiculous and stupid to dripping with insight and wisdom. And they're going to look at you and go, where was all of this when I was 15? And in that moment, you'll think, dear Lord, help me not take them out right now. Moms, you, you are the pilot on the kamikaze mission. Your mission to set your kids up to have a good life, to go on and do great things, and you become the pilot laying down your bodies, laying down your life, laying down your wants, laying down your desires over and over and over again on the mission of giving your kids the great and awesome things of this world. And, and you as a mom, pray for your kids. And I'd be willing to bet that even if you aren't a Jesus freak kind of person, you are familiar 
with the posture of prayer when it comes to your kids as you pray for God to protect them, God to guide them, God to be with them. And so I thought that that with all this in view today that I thought it would be appropriate for us to begin a new teaching series on prayer. And we're gonna spend the next four weeks on this. And I wanna start off today by, by sharing a little bit about my journey uh, with prayer. When I was a kid, I grew up in a home. My mom prayed. Uh, we, we weren't the kind of home that prayed for everything all the time, but, but we prayed at key moments. We prayed uh, when we were going to sleep at night. We prayed for, for, for dinner. I remember as a kid, the prayer that I used to pray. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this food. When I got to be in high school, I developed a much more uh, spiritual, much more theologically robust prayer as I sat in front of a large single topping Little Caesars pizza that I had every intent on finishing by myself. My prayer sounded something like this. Good friends, good meat, good God, let's eat. Amen. And then I would dive in and ask God somehow to bless that to nourish my body. Not even God can do that. From there, my, my prayer journey uh, as a kid usually consisted of praying for things on my Christmas list. I usually started that on January 1st and would pray fervently as I got closer to Christmas Eve. And I have to tell you, I'm still a little disappointed. I have some wounds in my life because I prayed fervently. God said the faithful, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, but I never did receive a dirt bike for Christmas. It never did happen. My mom's saying something about it being dangerous, but that was ridiculous. Truth be told, prayer has never really been a, 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 an area of strength for me. And I'll talk a little bit more about that last, next week. But I came across a book last, last year that, that challenged me, it convicted me, um, and, it, and it served as the inspiration for the content of this series. Um, it, the book was called, and the series is called, Dangerous Prayers. And, and what I want to help you see over these next few weeks um, is that following Jesus was never supposed to be easy. Jesus never made a promise that it was going to be easy. But the problem is, is that we oftentimes approach God from our prayers from a very safe place. And so over the next four weeks, I'm gonna share with you four very dangerous prayers that if you would have the guts, if you'd have the courage to pray them, they would remarkably shape your life. We're gonna unpack in 1 Samuel chapter three, the very first prayer uh, as we get into it today. And I wanna read the passage with you. Um, And as we do, I wanna share a little bit of backdrop. We're gonna read about a boy named Samuel. Samuel was a boy born to uh, a young woman named Hannah. Hannah uh, had had, uh, wrestled with infertility for some time and she prayed and she prayed and she prayed, God, would you give me a child? Would you give me a child? She would go to the temple and she would ask the priest whose name was Eli, would you pray for me that God would give me a child? And eventually, God did answer that prayer. When she had Samuel, she she made a a pledge and a promise to God that she was going to raise Samuel to know and love and follow her God. And when Samuel got, um, he was weaned and I'm assuming past diapers, we don't exactly know the age. Hannah actually brought Samuel to Eli, the priest, and, and she asked him, would, would, would he, would he help raise her? Would he take Samuel in and raise him as his own so that he can know and follow God? And that's exactly what Eli did. And Samuel, though still a boy, we don't know exactly how old he was, but he was still a young boy, has this incredible encounter with God. And at first, uh, he hears somebody calling his name. And so what does every young child do in the middle of the night when they hear something? 
they come into your room. And that's exactly what Samuel did. He comes into Eli's room and Eli does what you would have said, shut up, go back to bed. Sorry, that's what the dads say. That's what the dads say. The moms don't do that. The mom's like, what is it, sweetheart? Come here, tell me everything you got. I don't need to sleep. Sleep is overrated. Come on, sweetheart, you can cuddle with me. Just be a little inferno, a hot box right next to me and I'll just sweat all night long. I don't need sleep. I don't need to smell good. I just, come on, baby, just get right here into my embrace. I don't know how mamas do that. Lord, you missed your cue. Two more minutes, I would reveal the message title and that would have been great. But this happens twice and Eli finally realizes what's going on. He tells Samuel to go back to his bed and this is what he says in 1 Samuel chapter three in the second half of verse eight. It says, then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go and lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak Lord for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And now the Lord came and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. The title of the message is the first dangerous prayer. And what I just said a second ago will now make sense. The first dangerous prayer is speak to me. Speak to me. Now you might hear that and go, well, that doesn't sound very dangerous. I mean, speak to me. Like, what up? But I would... I would argue that it's one of the most dangerous and daring prayers that you could ever pray. And I don't, I don't want to be accused of manipulating you. And so what I want to do today is I want to spend a little bit of time telling you why you should not pray this prayer. And then I'm going to spend a little bit of time telling you why you should pray this prayer. And I'm going to entrust the spirit of God to move and work in your heart so that you can make a decision about whether or not this dangerous prayer is for you. And I want to start by telling you why you should not pray this prayer. Do not pray this prayer if you don't want to hear what God has to say. Don't pray this prayer, speak to me. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Don't pray this prayer if you don't really want to hear what God has to say. The reality of it is, is that you could spend the rest of your life studying the pages of scripture and studying the people of scripture. And when they have encounters with God and when they, when they are coming to God in prayer, and there is something that you will notice when God speaks in response to one of his children asking him to speak, then here's what you will notice. One of three things. Number one, that when God speaks, he often does so in order to convict them of something. When God speaks, he's, he often speaks in the pages of scripture to convict them of something, but not only to convict them of something, when God speaks, he speaks to challenge them in something. He's, he's, he issues a, a challenge, he issues a dare. And thirdly, when God speaks, he will speak and he stretches them. And so what I want you to be mindful of is I don't, listen, don't pray this prayer if you don't want to hear what God has to say. Because Jesus, when God speaks, God wants you to understand, I want to speak into not just your present, I want to speak into your potential. 
And what I see in you conformed in the image of my son, Jesus, is that there is growth that's gonna be required. And so when we ask God to speak, oftentimes he will speak and he will bring conviction in your life in something that doesn't match up with his word. He will challenge you in something, uh, maybe a preconceived notion, a thought, a belief, a truth that you believe is true, but is not true in God's eyes, or he will stretch you to stretch and grow your faith in things that are gonna make you feel uncomfortable. That's exactly what God does with Samuel. God tells Samuel, this young boy, he goes on and here is the message he gives Samuel. Samuel, I need you to know this, that I'm about to judge the house of Eli because Eli and his house has sinned against me. Now, this young boy, Samuel, I I can't imagine what he would have thought. He would have heard this and thought, not Eli. I mean, Eli's awesome. I mean, Eli has adopted me into his home and he loved me as his own. And he is the priest of the temple, for goodness sake. I mean, God, why could you be mad at Eli? The reason why God was upset with Eli is because Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also priests in the temple, but they were sinning against God. They were defiling the worship that people would bring, the sacrifices. They were defiling the worship that that God had instructed to happen in the temple. But not only that, they were sleeping with women, most likely prostitutes on the uh, uh, at the temple door. And God, it brings this message to Samuel and says, Samuel, Eli has grown passive as a father. He has been so focused on what he's doing, by the way, for all the men. I know it's a Mother's Day message, but for all the men, I believe that there's a nugget here for you that Eli has become so consumed with his work. And even though his work is for me, even though his work is the temple, even though his work is being my priest to my people, he's been so consumed with his work. He has grown passive and abdicated his responsibility as a father to his sons. Because of this, I'm going to bring judgment on Eli's house. And then God tells Samuel to tell Eli that message. We could possibly wrap our brain around this if we think of Samuel as a 20-something, 30-something or older, but in all probability, Samuel's still like in the 10-year-old range. And now he has to go tell his adopted father this message from God. God spoke And it stretched Samuel. And so listen, don't pray this prayer if you don't want to hear what God has to say. Now let me go to the other side of the argument and tell you why I believe you should pray this prayer. I believe you should pray this prayer because when God speaks, it is nourishment to our soul. The Bible refers to itself as, as food for the soul, as, as milk to a babe or as meat to an adult. It's nourishment to our soul. And not only it, when God speaks, is it nourishment to our soul? When God speaks, it is wisdom to guide our steps. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you don't know what to do? You can, this is a participatory class. You can say, amen. You can raise your hand. Okay. Surely I'm not the only one. Me and Mike Heater are not the only ones, right? Listen, but God, God tells us that if anybody lacks wisdom, all you got to do is ask for it from the Lord and he will give it in abundance. When God speaks, it is encouragement to propel us forward. You see, there are moments and seasons in life where we get stuck. We get hamstrung. We get, we get hampered. 
Sometimes it's because you have paralysis by analysis. Sometimes it's because you're in some deep, dark pit. Sometimes it's because you got too many options and you don't know where to go. And God's word is encouragement. God speaks, it is encouragement to propel us forward. Let me take a moment and talk to the leaders in the room. If you're responsible for leading a business, leading a team, if you're responsible for leading a family, or if you're responsible for leading yourself. So let me just speak to everybody. Can we just be honest in God's house this morning and say that the last two years have been exhausting? Some of y'all too exhausted to even amen that. There's been so much change and upheaval and frustration and opinions and experts. Everything has become a thing that we've got to, we, we've got to decide whether or not we're going to advocate for that thing or say nothing about that thing or do a whole lot of research so I don't sound like an idiot about the thing. And it's been exhausting. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one, but, but it, 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 I, I've had the chance to take a couple of trips over the last couple of years for vacation, R&R, &R, and something about these trips that I've taken, I've enjoyed it. I'm grateful for the opportunity. They didn't really seem to recharge me like they would before. Or perhaps you've had a particularly busy day or a busy week. And listen, I love taking a nap. I can fall asleep like that. And I wake up from a nap, somehow I'm still tired. I don't know if any of this resonates with you or not. I don't know if you feel any of this. I'm just gonna be honest, transparent with, with, with where I'm at right now, that I, I'm realizing that I'm not, I'm not physically tired. I'm spiritually and emotionally depleted. And what I'm learning is, is that as much as I love going on a vacation and Lord knows I love taking a nap, it doesn't quite do for me what it used to. And so I'm processing all of this and, 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 and I, as, I'm, as I'm coming to terms with the recognition that, that, that it's not just that I'm tired, but I'm emotionally and spiritually depleted, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, God, what do I do with this? I mean, life still has to go on. The bill's still got to get paid. I mean, I love y'all and y'all expect Sunday to happen and somebody to preach, right? So I'm not mad about any of that. That's just part of part of the deal. And, and, and as I'm, I'm, I feel sometimes spiritually dry, I'm grown increasingly desperate for God. And God has reminded me some things about who he is. And maybe this will be encouraging to you. Isaiah 43 says this, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know what God is saying? He's saying, I'm the God who comes into your wilderness when you feel so lost and confused, you don't know which way to go. There's too many options. There's too many expectations. I'm the one who can make a road in that wilderness. God is telling us today that he is the one that can look down upon us and see the condition of our souls when they are dry and parched and a weary wasteland and it looks and feels like a desert. And our God is the one who says, I can bring a river into that desert. And how does he do this? Psalms 23 gives us an example. You know this Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Can I tell you, up until the last year or so, I would oftentimes read this and be like, huh, 
that sounds boring. I'm now at a place where I'm like, ooh, how do I do that? Notice what it says in verse three. It says, he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, God is saying, I am the good shepherd who knows exactly what you need. And I am the good shepherd who knows exactly how to lead. I want to lead you to a place where you can experience green pastures and and you can experience rivers of running water. I want you to experience the replenishing work of your soul and of your spirit. And how does God do this? God does this by speaking to us. But the problem for a lot of us is, is that we don't, we don't really know how to tune into God's frequency. And because we don't know how to tune into the right frequency, we, we can oftentimes get convinced, well, God is just not saying anything. God's not speaking. And that can lead us to a point of, of prayer and anger and frustration. God, where are you? Why are you not with me? God, what is going on? Why can't I not feel your presence? But here's what I'm learning. I'm learning that there is never a moment where God is not speaking. I just have to learn how to tune into the frequency. And in order to help you tune into the frequency, I want to share with you four ways. There's probably others, but I want to share four primary ways that God speaks. God speaks first and foremost, primarily through his word. Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That God's word, we can open it and read it, and it is God speaking to us. It's his 66 book love letter that he wrote for the purpose for us to, to soak it in and allow it to saturate our being. You go, well, I don't know about all that because when I read it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, stop reading in Numbers and Leviticus and start reading in John. Start there. You go, pastor, I just, I just want one of those moments where I can hear God's voice audibly. Great. I can answer that for you right now. Go home, open up a Bible and read it out loud. And you will hear God's audible voice. God doesn't just speak through his word. God speaks through people. Over and over, scripture talks about the, 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 how there is a, a, a safety in the multitude of counselors talks about the significance of, of godly wisdom. Can I just tell you, part of our problem is that we like to go to wise counselors, but we just go to our friends. I believe that God would want us to consider the counsel that we receive. Can I just offer this encouragement to you? The next time you're going through something in your life, I know that you're gonna to want to be inclined to go talk to your friends about it. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. Go talk to them, ask them to pray for you. But before you ask the question, what do you think? And before you ask the question, if you were me, what would you do? I would encourage you to ask the question, is this person or is this couple, is their level of godliness something that you respect, admire, and aspire to? If you have a question about marriage, ask yourself the question, does their marriage reflect the goal of something that you would love to have someday? If you have a question about finances, do you know enough about them? Do you ever hear them talking about generosity and giving and the things that they're able to invest in the kingdom things that God is doing? 
or are they just really good at playing the market and getting an ROI? I would encourage you to ask yourself the question before I go get counsel, before I go get something from somebody else, is that person, is their relationship with God something that you desire to have? And it's not that God can't speak through other people, he does, but I'm just gonna tell you, you will more closely tune in to the right frequency when you were getting godly counsel from godly people. Let me tell you why. Because godly people are not going to filter your situation through their experience and their opinion. They will filter your situation and they will bathe it in prayer and they will consider what does God's word have to say about it? And then they will come back to you and share based on what I've been praying about as I've been reading and thinking about your situation, what God would have me to say is this. I would also offer the encouragement, if in the process of getting wisdom and counsel and feedback and no one ever says the words prayer or what God would have me to say or the Bible, I would encourage you to red flag this feedback. because you don't need just somebody else's opinion. You need to hear the voice of God and what he wants for you. God speaks through his word. He speaks through people. He also speaks through circumstances. I'll never forget one of the first times that I, I clearly heard the, word, the, the voice of God. I was a freshman in high school. Uh, my parents had been divorced since I was about four. Um, and, and I got the opportunity. Uh, I lived with my mom and, and I got the visitation stuff with my dad, you know, weekends, holidays, summers, all that good stuff. And Christmas, my freshman year of high school, my dad and I were duck hunting. And he, uh, he just threw out there. He said, son, have you, would you ever think about coming and, and living with me? And he was married, had two other, uh, girls. And, uh, and it wasn't the first time that he had ever said that, but it was the first time that the, the, the idea ever took root inside of me. And so I went home from that Christmas vacation. I didn't say anything to anybody about it. And I just started praying, God, is this what you want for me? Now, listen, here's what you have to know. As a freshman in high school, um, I, I was not like captain of the Jesus club. Okay, I know that sometimes you might be surprised to hear that, that you expect that as a pastor, I was just born with a halo right? And that Jessica is just blessed to be married to me. And I, it, how hard it must be being married to such a perfect man. Y'all been coming to church here too long to know that ain't true. But listen, as a freshman, I wasn't, I wasn't in a great place. I mean, we went to church, but man, I didn't love Jesus. I didn't really care about Jesus. I was talking about the things that freshman kids, freshman dudes who play sports were always talking about, at least all the ones that I knew, we were talking about parties and girls and all the things that we were going to do when we finally got 16 and got a car and we'd go do what we wanted. I had a lot of good friends then and a lot of them went on to do a lot of those things and some of them got themselves in a lot of trouble. Some of the girls that, that I was around got themselves into a lot of trouble. And so I just began praying, God, is this what you want for me? And this is what you want from me. I remember specifically what I prayed. I said, God, would you make it like a neon sign that I couldn't miss it if I tried? I prayed that night after night after night after night. One morning, my mom came in. It was, it was another uh, pretty typical morning in my home. Uh, I missed uh, my alarm clock. Any parents have teenagers with... Um, teenagers, I'm sorry. I love you. I just got to talk real for a second. Okay. 
And so I missed the alarm clock, which meant I missed the bus. And my mom came in and typically this was the, the ignition to big fight. I was at a point where um, I was constantly challenging authority. I was radically disrespectful. Um, at, at times, I, I, I had even gotten to wrestling matches with my mom about some things because I'm just not going to do what you are telling me to do. It's just not going to happen. You think you're big enough to make me, then come on. And uh, she came and she sat down. It wasn't, she wasn't mad. It wasn't a fight. She turned my alarm clock off. She sat on the edge of my bed. She pulled the covers back and she said, son, I love you, but I just don't know that I can do this anymore. Maybe it's time you think about going to live with your dad. Now, two things that you need to know. Number one, this was kind of one of those, I love my mom, mom, if you're watching this, we've had this conversation. She didn't really mean that. She really meant that she really was tired, but she didn't really mean that I need to go live with my dad. Number two, my mom had no idea what I had been praying. And as soon as those words came out of my mom's mouth, it was like, neon, 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 here's your sign. And I was like, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. And can I tell you, that decision stretched me. I moved from Arkansas to California. In case you're wondering, in my, my day, the education system in the state of Arkansas and the education system and standards in California were very different. I was on a struggle bus, fam. And God used that decision. It stretched me, but God used it to change my life. It was while I was there, I I fell in love with Jesus and began to follow him and understood what it meant to be his son. God speaks through circumstances. He also speaks through his spirit. When you become a child of God, it says the spirit of God comes and lives inside of you and you now have the presence of God dwelling in you. And it is that still small voice that often whispers. It never yells, but it often whispers, beckoning you to make the right decision, the godly decision, the righteous decision. That's how God speaks. But if you don't know and you're not tuned into it, you'll, you'll miss it. That's what happened to Samuel. Let's look at the text again. It says, then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Eli understood it. Eli was a little bit further along in his journey, actually quite a bit further along in his journey than Samuel. And he understood what was happening. And so Eli now begins to provide some instruction. He says, hey, Sam, go back to bed, lie down. If he calls you again, this is what you need to say. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And so Samuel did what he said. He went back and laid down in his place. Notice this in verse 10, verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at the other times. You see, Samuel was so unaware, so not dialed into the frequency of God. Not only did he not know that the voice was not coming from Eli, but from coming from God, but God was standing in front of him the whole time and he never saw him. Just wonder how many times Are you crying and telling somebody or crying out to God saying, God, where are you? And God is trying to tell you, I'm right here. And if you'd learn to dial into my frequency, not only would you hear my voice, you would see my presence. I can't tell you as your pastor how badly, how desperately I want you to hear God's voice, but you gotta be willing to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. This is a dangerous prayer, but can I tell you the only thing more dangerous than not, uh, than praying this prayer? The only thing more dangerous than praying this prayer is not praying this prayer. Why? 
Because when you choose not to pray this prayer, then you will not receive the nourishment for your soul. You will not receive the wisdom to guide your steps. And you will not receive the divine encouragement from heaven to convince you, to help you understand that all of heaven is behind you and what you are doing in pursuit of obedience to God. You will not receive the encouragement to propel you forward. So, let me be your Eli. Let me give you four things that you can do that will, that will help position you to be able to hear God's voice. The first thing is you've got to create time. Now, listen, I know we talk about how busy we are. I get it. Let me ask you a question. How many of you ever... Why am I still looking at this? Oh, that got a little real for a second, didn't it? Let me ask this question. When's the last time you ever binge watched something on Netflix or other streaming service provider? See, here's all I'm trying to tell you. You got the same 24 hours in your day as anybody else. It's up to you to decide what you want them. It's not that social media is inherently bad or, or, or streaming services are bad. I'm just trying to tell you those things will not replenish a depleted soul. You got to create time. You've also got to create space. Find a space where you can close the door for a few minutes, turn on some soft music, take a second, big, deep breath. Whew. All right. Ooh, so much to do. Ooh, Ooh okay. As you take that big deep breath in, you exhale and just say, speak, Lord. Servant is listening. Now, listen, I want to take a second and talk to, talk to you again, because I got to tell you that the, the other two things that can help you won't matter if you don't get these two right. And these two are the hardest ones. And the reason why these two are the hardest ones is because there is always something else to do. There is always more noise fighting for, demanding your focus and attention. They will always be there. Mamas, let me talk to you for just a second. It's Mother's Day. I want to encourage you with something, something that, that you need desperately. Your kids, I know that you love them, but can I tell you, they will never stop circling around you like shark do its prey. They will always need, require something else. There will always be something else where you and all of the great things that God has put inside of you to love, to nurture, to provide, to care for your little babies. Listen, there's always going to be another emergency. There's always going to be another need. And even if you were able to get past that, listen, there's always going to be another mom on social media that you watch and follow. And in the back of your mind, you think, I need to unfollow them, but I can't unfollow them because they're so cute. And I just do this and that and that. There's always going to be another mom on social media when you see their highlight reel compared to your reality, when you see them all dolled up going out for brunch with the girlfriends and you're in your sweatpants you ain't changed out of in three days and in a messy bunny, put your makeup on yet. You're going to think, I'll never measure up to that. Listen, mamas, I just got to tell you, 
even if those things were gone, there would still be the voices and the stories and the soundtracks that are in your mind that play nonstop constantly that say, I'm not funny enough. I'm not present enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not fit enough. I'm not sexy enough. I don't have my stuff together. I'm not organized enough. I just tell you as a, as a man, and maybe there are men who, who wrestle with this differently, but, but, but the way that, that in my house, the stuff that runs in my head and the stuff that runs in my wife's head are two very different things. Now I have her permission to share this story. So before y'all go, I can't believe he said that. I asked for permission politely and said, you can say no. One of our core values is we keep it real around here. A couple weeks ago, we had a, uh, a, a boring Saturday morning. There was nothing on the calendar. It was at the end of a crazy busy week where we had both done some travel, which is very unusual for us. I was gone all week long, um, which meant she, when she got back, she had the kids, no help, no tag team, none of that stuff. And it was a Saturday morning. There was nothing on the calendar and it was overcast. And it was kind of cold and dreary. We had stayed up watching a movie the night before, I think. I don't know. We watched something. And then, and then, and listen, I don't, no shame in my game. We, it, the first number on the clock was a nine when I opened my eyes. Bless the Lord. Amen. And hallelujah. And I was the first one to wake up. And one of the things I love doing on a, on a lazy, boring Saturday day like that when we have those, I like just kind of chilling. And so we're chilling and we're looking stuff on social media. We're sharing stuff back and forth with some of the funny, stupid stuff that's on the internet. And then finally Jess rolls over and she goes, okay, can we be done? And I'm like, well, what are you in such a hurry for? And then she said, I just can't get past all the stuff I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, like what? She said, well, I I can't stop feeling shame that I haven't already done my quiet time this morning. I can't help but feel lazy because there's a million things that have to happen around the house today. And I can't help but feel like a bad mom because our kids are out there and, and the door is closed and, and I'm, I'm basically saying you can't have access to me. Listen, I don't know if that resonates with anybody else in this place. But can I just tell you that even, even if you're able to get past the kids and the Instagram moms, there's always those voices, the stories in, inside that are demanding your focus and attention. And I just want to tell you that the voice that you need to hear the most, the voice that will help bring, help center you, help organize your thoughts, help bring peace in the midst of the storm are none of those voices externally or internally. It's the voice of your loving heavenly father who says, I love you. I created you. I designed you for this. And I can be your good shepherd to lead you through it. Mamas, if I can, as your pastor, as a fellow Christian, I want to encourage you for, for the time that you spend praying for your kids, asking God to bless them and be with them and help them with this and help them with that and help the socially awkward one and help the one that's struggling in math and, and help Timmy who's got a, a bum knee and right, like you're praying for all those are all good, good, good things. But I want to encourage you with something today that what you need to understand is that the difference prayer makes in your kids is often less about what you are asking for when you pray and more about what you listen for when you pray. Why is that? 
Because the most beneficial contribution you can ever make in your kid's life is to give them an example of the goodness of God demonstrated through the ups and downs of your life. You are the canvas that God paints his glory on. And when we don't, as moms and as dads, if we don't take the time to hear the voice of God, then we allow all these other things to distort the image that they see of who our God is. You will not have the nourishment, the wisdom, or the encouragement you need to get through the next day. So create the time, create the space. The third thing you gotta do is be ready. Show up with your Bible, show up with your pen, show up with your notebook and be ready to write down whatever it is that God says to you. And don't just be ready to write down what he says to you, write down what you're gonna do about it. Can I just tell you that part of our problem is we come to God in prayer, speak, Lord, your servant's listening and God's going, listen, that's fine, but I'm not gonna serve up another meal because you left the last one on the table. God told us something to do back here. And we go, "Eh, that convicts a little too much. That stretches a little too much. That challenges a little too much. I'm just gonna back out of this one. I'm gonna come over here to another table. But God says, listen, it doesn't matter what table you come to. It all comes from the same kitchen. And I'm the same chef that's cooking up the same truth. And so sometimes we need to go back and what did God say back here and orient our lives around that before we can expect God to speak something new in this season. And the last thing you gotta do is pray. Speak to me. Your servant is listening. This is a dangerous prayer, but it is a needed prayer. At Discover Church, we exist to see our city changed by Jesus, one life at a time. If you'd like to take your next step of faith today, text the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. Again, that's the word FAITH to 816-203-1835. If this is your first time listening, we'd love to connect. Reach out to us on social media and let us know that you've found us through the Discover Church podcast. Thanks for listening.